fucking deep. Put it in deep. You went from being the captain, the savior, the chosen one, to a lying pajama boy, traitor, snake. Tavera steps into the slot. Tavera shoots and scores! Holy mackerel! Welcome back, JT! We looked up to you. Kids looked up to you. We loved you. And then you turn around and you leave us. You hurt us all. Goodbye, John. We've got Barry Trotz and we don't have you. Thank God. Marner, back in for Tavares, back on his skates, and a shot, he scores! Holy mackerel! John Tavares with the hat-trick! I, I just felt that this opportunity was just so rare, and to be from here, you know, you start to get those emotions. It just felt right. Obviously, uh, I believe we can do some special things. And that's why no Islander fan should ever, ever forgive you for what you did. Bucks in deep, <laughs> back for another episode. It's episode 23, and it's a little bit of a hostile environment here over the last couple of days, Lesko, as you heard, and I think you enjoyed that across the bar there, didn't I laughed you? the whole time, man. You did a masterful job of, of blending that together, because I just sent him this this video yesterday. It just came out, for those of you who may not have seen it, uh, check any of our Twitter feeds. We're all over this. Um, this just bizarre, sad video that some outlet put together of these Islander fans. It was very scripted, so it came off kind of disingenuous, I thought. Yeah, it was just a local news but channel. But then just just fully chirping Taveras about, you heard the clips and about them him leaving and we don't need you anymore and all this. And man, like, I get it. I get it. You're pissed off. Yeah, sure. I know. I was pissed off when Sundin left, you know. I totally understand that from a fan's perspective, but this video is a fucking joke. <laughs> oh, it's really embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. It's really embarrassing. Like, so obviously there's going to be a lot of pro Taveras Islanders fans in the crowd. There is. There's going to be people that are fine with how he left. And yeah, sure. Like you said, they might be a little ticked off as far as the franchise is concerned or whatever. But at the end of the day, they are going to be able to recluse themselves from the fanship or the fandom and say it's fine like he left it was his right to do so so they'll go and they'll probably give him the little uh you know applause or whatever but they might boom when he touches the puck they might join in and do that but there's going to be enough people there that support the guy and for those people to see this video uh, i'd be i don't know I'd, I'd be, be a little, super embarrassed. I'd be a little bit embarrassed. Like I, I tweeted out, I thought it was pretty embarrassing. And I think a lot of people had that feeling as well. You might even be an Islanders fan and have felt that way. It's just, it's some of the things they said, like, oh, you're a liar and you're a traitor and all this kind of stuff. Like ease up on the rhetoric, bud. Like yeah, it's true. this guy did, you know, great things for your franchise. So and give, it's city. give me a break. I mean, if it weren't for John Tavares, there's not, we're not even sure that, that team would still be there. So take, you know, take a lap. It's just funny, too, because there was like, I think there was six, five or six different people where they just, um, you know, put the camera on them and gave them anywhere from a minute to two minutes to just like say their spiel. Now, like you said, it was super scripted. It wasn't just a, 
a spiel. Like, I'm sure it was kind of like, here's what I want to say. And then they gave them, you know, cue cards. Yeah, it uh, sounded to, to read off. It yeah. sounded scripted and it sa- came off very disingenuous. And, and then, it, it was so poorly produced, too. Like, there was, was bad cuts and stuff. Like, I'm pretty sure Steve Dangle made better videos 10 years ago in his fucking parents' basement than yeah, that. Like, it's true. It's, it's, true. It's, it was pretty brutal. The but. wind was howling and their uh, vehicle was backing up. So on one of them, it was like, beep, beep, <laughs> beep, as he was talking. And. Yeah, they, they probably rushed to get it out before the game. Uh, for those of you not aware, the Leafs are in Long Island tomorrow for Johnny T's return. To, Back at NASA. Uh, it's going to be an exciting game, but obviously the Leafs, I think, are focused on Edmonton tonight. Um, we got to fire up some trade talk, though. Uh, we're coming off the trade deadline. It was a pretty eventful day. Um yeah, in the lead up and the actual day itself this year, um, we'll get to, uh, back to the Leafs later on in the show. Uh, but we want to fire it up with some Ottawa talk because they were one of the most active teams. But my question to you, Josh, are they still a team? <laughs> I don't know, man. Did you see that picture that circulated on the uh, on the internet of the team photo from two years ago? That was really well done. It was somebody photoshopped. Uh, the team photo from two years ago. So what they did was they photoshopped all the jerseys of the current teams that those players play for. And it's astounding because was there five, six guys who still remain six, from that yeah. team when six. they went uh, then when they went deep in the playoffs. And the other thing I enjoyed about that was the guys who were retired. They had them in like Hawaiian shirts. Mueller? Yeah, and then Chris Neal looks half oh. cut with a pint in his hand <laughs> in the front row. Bare feet. Yeah. Leaning up against somebody next to him. Yeah. That was really funny. I forget who tweeted that out, but shout out to the guy who did the uh, did the Photoshop work on that. Yeah, that was really funny. So, uh, yeah, back to Ottawa. Um, you know, the six guys remain. I, I don't know if you could uh, name them off the top of your head, but they include the likes of, uh, you know, Tierney. Uh, obviously, oh, Tierney was a Carlson trade acquisition. Oh yeah, that's yeah. Right. I believe it's Zach Smith. Uh, Bor- Bor- eh, I can't say Borowski. Boro. I'm calling yeah, Boro. Yeah, Anderson, uh, Ryan, Anderson, Ryan, and someone else that we're forgetting right now. Because I know. Oh, I know why I said Tierney. Because uh, oh, did you did you say Zach Smith? Zach Smith. Yeah. Was so. Um, I, I know. I remember. I said Tierney because the Dorian interview or the Dorian press conference. That's where he he was saying we're gonna rely on the vets. So like I know we're talking about the guys that used oh, to be on Ottawa. Yeah, he was talking about the vets that they're gonna lean on, and he he mentioned the the tyrannies of the world, um, and and the Demellos of the world too. So those were the two guys acquired for Eric Carlson. But yeah, I mean I don't know, man. It was uh, it was tough. I I don't know if they got the return, um, you know, that the fans were hoping for specifically. Uh, since they did not acquire a first-round pick for Mark Stone. Now, I understand that they did acquire a very, very, very uh, high-level prospect in Brandstrom, um, supposed to be uh, touted as possibly having Eric Carlson-like game-breaking skill. Which isn't really uh, fair to say. But no, it's not. you but... got you got to silver-lining something, right? No, it's true, and you do have to pick something, um, you know, to, to like you said, to look forward to, a silver-lining, if you will. Like, another guy that's rated pretty high on their prospect list is uh, Alex Formanton. And one of the first things that we heard about this prospect is that he has McDavid-like speed. Yeah, you know, that and was it, a hot take and a half. It was, but you know what, though? The guy is fucking fast. He's very fast. So, I guess just to recap, Ottawa Senators, they traded Matt. Matthew Shane to Columbus. That was on Friday. 
uh, before the weekend. So since our last show, uh, in return, they got uh, Abramov, Davidson, a first-rounder that is lottery-protected. Um, I don't know if Columbus needs to do that, but smart. Smart. Lesson for Pierre Dorian right there. <laughs> <laughs> and then a conditional first-rounder if he resigns with Columbus. So this Which I don't be, think he will. Yeah, I, I, I bet he goes to July 1st. He could resign with Columbus, but I, I bet he goes to – to get that money, right? Mm-hmm. Drive up the cost. This is Duchesne's day to get yeah, paid. It's true. And if you're Columbus and you want to throw, uh, let's say you want to throw 10 at him or something, and there's another offer he's got out there for 10-3, I don't know if you're going to 10-5 because now you're losing your pick too. Yeah. So you're doing some cap crunching and now you're losing your pick because you're resigning the guy. So it could work out against uh, the Senators' ability to uh, to obtain that, that second first-round pick. Now, I guess going in next, so Columbus also acquired uh, Ryan Zingle from Ottawa. Uh, and coming back the other way was Anthony Duclair. Uh, appears to be a bit of a cap dump slash what's going on with Anthony Duclair. He can't seem to stick anywhere these days. Uh, and they also got two second-round picks in 2020 and 2021. Uh, the biggest news of trade deadline day and for the Ottawa Senators was of course Mark Stone going to Vegas uh, my biggest sticking point with this trade I think was the lack of first rounder coming back the other way they may have backed themselves into a corner that day because it was very late in the day and it seemed that other teams had dropped off throughout the day the Calgary's the Winnipeg's and it ended up being like all right we're down here with Vegas and we don't want to have happen what happened with Carlson the previous year where they weren't able to get a deal done well it's funny that you bring that up and it was like you said with Vegas and last year Vegas wasn't willing to part with their uh <clears throat> excuse me with their uh, what's what am I trying to say here sorry their uh, their future prospect um he they didn't want to trade Brandstrom to Ottawa for Carlson. It was one of the main reasons why the trade never occurred. And now here we are a year later, and they go ahead and they move that prospect in Brandstrom to acquire Mark Stone. So it was kind of strange. And uh, just quickly, uh, back to the Duchesne one, I wanted to mention before you moved on, did you uh, see how uh, Duchesne went back and picked up his wife and picked up the dog and the kid and also picked up Ryan Dezingle. Yeah, in a private jet. Like it <laughs> threw him in a private jet and he, flew to Columbus. Like, did he have to do that? Because my understanding, if you're a part of, you know, a good organization that take care of you, isn't the team going to take care of that for you? Like, well, I don't know. Maybe he was just trying to expedite things by by booking the private jet and like, oh, this will be fun. Yeah, I I just thought it was weird. Like you know, shouldn't Columbus be flying his family and and shit up and yeah, it's true. Taking care of the guy, they wanted him, right? Yeah. So Columbus is all in Ottawa. Hard fire sale. Hard fire sale. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, couple of years, I think, man, for that franchise with the whole rebuild and the fact that uh, (laughs) like Dorian might as well get the word rebuild tattooed across his fucking forehead. Well, his presser says his presser on trade day was, I mean, I don't know if he's just not a great public speaker or if he, he's probably beaten down a little because since he's had a pretty rough go since he's arrived, but that presser was sad. It did not inspire any confidence whatsoever. And they're talking rebuild, rebuild, rebuild. And Melnick's talking rebuild, but this is a teardown still. And I, yes. I feel like the rebuild can be begin because they've literally given up anything they have of value. But the question, I guess, on the Columbus side of things is, did they? Was this the right call for them to to 
as I mentioned a couple episodes ago, I didn't think they were going to do this. I didn't see them going all in, but they might have thought it'd be easier to make a good run, make that playoff money, and saw how flimsy the Metro division is and thought maybe our path is easier than it's ever going to be. But the path is still going to have to at least go through the Tampa Bay Lightning. Right. So when you step back and look at the moves that you made to your team, are they going to put you over the top against the, you know, proverbial king of the hill? Yeah, so the favorites, obviously. Yeah, the I, favorites. I don't think anybody was going to be able, no matter who they acquired at the True. deadline, was going to put themselves on par with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, but man, Yarmo, you got to admit, he's got the biggest balls in the league because yeah. he went and acquired uh, numerous players and. On top of Panarin, Bobrovsky, and now you have Duchesne and Dzingel, he could lose all of those guys come July 1. Everything that they've picked up to to work hard at. Like. Yeah, so I wonder what's the determining factor if you're a Columbus fan. Is it how far we make it in the playoffs, or is it their ability to potentially retain any of their stars come July 1? Because they could end up not making the playoffs, worst case Ontario, and then July 1 losing all their guys, and that's... Is that fireable? Is that a fireable offense? Not if it's Edmonton. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would think so, yeah. And we we joke about Edmonton, but we've touched on some of the things that they've done out there at the brass level, at the management level, um, and wondered why there was no you know, firings being done. And then of course we found out later that there have, there have been, or there will be. And in this case, I don't know. I mean, Yarmo has been a Yarmo kick a line and the GM uh, for the blue jackets. I mean, he's been doing well. He's always been active. Yeah. And it's not like he's been making very questionable moves that people are, you know, constantly talking about, or it's a big question mark. Will this move be good or bad? Well, we'll have to get back to you when so, so and so Mm -hmm. the prospect that was involved or the pick was involved, whether he turns into a, you know, a bona fide NHL or not. Yeah. And that's the tough part. If you're an Ottawa fan, you don't see the immediate return because a lot of the bulk of it is in all these draft picks you've acquired for the next three years. So it's going to take some time. The jury's out, so to speak on, on these deals for Ottawa, because we're not going to see the results. And obviously the return for Duchesne is, is going to be compared to what they gave up to give him. And that's going to be determined by whether or not that pick ends up being first overall. Well, I mean, it's already a loss. Obviously, the Duchesne move is already a loss because you gave up your first round pick is going to turn into Jack Hughes or Capo Caco or whoever. Yeah, and I guess this is their attempt at salvaging it. So I still don't understand why. And I, I've been saying this from I don't even know from, from whatever whatever day one was. I don't understand why Ottawa didn't trade Carlson to Colorado for the first round pick back. Trade fucking Carlson and Dezingle. Make a deal because you're you're tearing it down anyways. Colorado would have had Eric Carlson for two years, two runs at the at the playoff at the playoffs. And I figure if you're Colorado as well, you're probably like, nah, we'll keep that. I guess we're good. We're good. We're watching these guys spiral down to the to the basement. <sighs> nah, we'll check you later. I guess Joe Sackett probably just hung up around him. <laughs> it's just it seems so strange to me. Yeah. The, the whole situation it hasn't been great. Um, so I want to ask you then. I liked what you said here in the prep is how far does Columbus have to go to justify? When I read that, I go to myself, well, they've never even won a playoff round in franchise history. 
They're yeah, the, so, only, the only team in the NHL that has not won a playoff. Yeah, round. so if you're a fan, is is a one round good enough? Is, is it two? I got to figure it's at least bare minimum conference finals conference against Tampa finals. Bay. And that's a fun run. That's an enjoyable time if you're a fan. Yeah, sure, they might have mortgaged everything they had on it. Uh, one note that we hadn't uh, slipped in here yet is that they only have a third and a seventh round pick going into this year's draft. Might as well cancel the flights, boys, and stay home. Well, why didn't they just trade their third and their seventh plus something else for Wayne Simmons and get yeah, him on get him on maybe. board too. It seems they were in on everybody. So Columbus, uh, in addition to the uh, boys they picked up from Ottawa, also managed to acquire uh, one Adam McQuaid and Keith Kincaid from the New Jer- Jersey Devils. Uh, staying in New York, uh, the Rangers, who I suspected were going to clean house, uh, they traded McQuaid, as I just mentioned. They also traded Matt Zuccarello in the lead up to the deadline. And this is interesting because good pickup for Dallas, goes out in his first game, he rips a Gino, and then takes a shot to the arm, and he's out four weeks. And he got an apple, too. That is that is shit. Goal, luck. an assist, and a broken arm. Is that Jesus. like a is that a Ted Lindsay hat trick or something? I don't know. <laughs> that's a, <laughs> like, a, a Joffrey Lupul hat trick. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a goal, an assist, and a broken arm. The Joffrey Lupul hat trick. Oh, dude, you got perfect. That. You nailed that. Um, okay, so what was I going to ask you here? Oh, um, the Kevin Hayes trade. Yeah, so one of my favorites of the day. That for they, for for both sides, for I mean, both sides. That's why, yeah. The Rangers, man, they've they've done a really good job throughout this teardown, which has gone on for over a year now. You mm-hmm. th- um, you think about what they've managed to pick up, but they picked up a first rounder. And they picked up Brendan Lemieux, which was a very highly sought-after prospect. Apparently, the majority of the conversations any team was having with Winnipeg surrounded around that guy. Uh, He was tied to the Stone rumors as well. So this is great for New York. And this also really rounds out Winnipeg and might put them back in that upper contender tier. Because there was a bit of a hole uh, in that second C spot after Stastny left. Stastny really... Uh, really help them in the playoffs and hopefully they can get the same thing out of Hayes because after that first line as we've seen so far this year and with kind of line A's extreme streakiness ups and downs they're not getting enough scoring outside of that top line yeah it's true Um, that's what they were talking about on the radio too man was that the the addition of Hayes almost mimics the addition of a Stastny uh, from last year so it's kind of a uh um, you know, an MO move just to prepare yourself uh, with depth for the playoffs. Uh, speaking of depth, another trade that I really enjoyed, mostly for the Sharks, was the uh, Gustav Nyquist acquisition. And I say mostly for the Sharks because we just don't know what the second round pick is going to look like, and we don't know what the conditional third round pick in 2020 yeah. may or may not materialize into. So today, as it's as it stands, all those things considered. I really like the addition uh, of Nyquist to the Sharks because I think he's got a pretty solid up, like offensive upside that obviously was just not being wasted, but perhaps just going uh, unnoticed and invisible a little bit in a in a tough Detroit market right now. And he's in a great situation right now. He's lining up on their third line with uh, Joe Thornton and Kevin LeBanc. So you think about the depth on uh, the Sharks forwards. And their defense, not to mention. I mean, yeah. they, they look very well-rounded uh, moving into the playoffs. And uh, much like Winnipeg, I mean, they, they see the window that they're in right now. Winnipeg, who who's really got a gun for it as well, given their uh, uh, upcoming cap constraints. So I think they both uh, made really complimentary moves to their lineup. 
You know which one was strange to me? Uh, Derek Broussard to the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, that was... And for a third rounder. There was talk that he had been informed shortly after he was acquired by the Panthers that he wouldn't be staying. Uh, and that must have had to do with Florida having no interest in signing him, I'm right. assuming. And right. the fact that Florida knows that they're not... Uh, it appears they're not making the playoffs this year either. So what, they just wanted to get something for him? Just get something for him, yeah. And, but then what What the fuck is Colorado doing? Like, Is, is, is Colorado not going for two lottery balls now? I'm not really sure what Colorado's what are they going doing? for. I, the whole the trade from both sides, like you said, is is hard to wrap your head <laughs> it was around. Strange. I mean, normally there's at least uh, <laughs> some sort of clarity as to what the fuck's going on yeah, here. Yeah. But I mean, I guess if you're still fa- if you're still counting Chicago alive, uh, they're five points behind the uh, Colorado Avalanche. So I guess you, by virtue of that, you have to keep the Avalanche in it. But the Western uh, standings, let's go, have seemed to have taken a little bit more shape i mean i just chirped colorado but they're only one point out so i guess i don't know maybe the acquisition of Derek broussard has put them over the hop and <laughs> is going to help them make the playoffs but realistically the reason why they fell off the top of the mountain let's go is 100 percent due to the fact that nate mckinnon went cold and so did miko rantanen yeah, they both went ice cold they're a one-line team and when you're not getting a uh, good goaltending out of, out of varlamov and he's kind of just a slightly average goaltender these days in the nhl um, I understand that they're trying to get a little more, uh, you know, offensive depth and uh, forward depth. So I, I understand it from that point of view. And if, you know, if they're just trying to get in and then that's what they want for their development, that's what they're going for. I want to throw this one at you. Um, did you uh, happen to catch up on any of the, uh, I guess it's like a, a making up, uh, so to speak, between uh, Marcus Johansson and his new teammate, yeah. Marchand. Yeah, so that was one of the more interesting trades of the day. Um, you know, first of all, I'll say as a Leafs fan, uh, fuck Boston, and I'm glad they didn't land any of the big fish because I, I know they were chasing Simmons, they were chasing Stone, and I'm sitting there thinking, fuck, they better not get any Don't. of those guys. Yeah. So they end up with with Johansson, and not knocking him, that's a good acquisition. The guy can play center, he can play wing, and I know they were looking for someone to plug in on their second line. Now, flashback to last season, I believe it was, when Marchand absolutely levels Johansson with a dirty elbow to the head, completely unnecessary, gets suspended five games. Subsequently, Johansson just just absolutely comes at him in the media. Like, he Ripped was him. pissed. And um, rightfully so. Yep, I and agree. And of course, so I guess shortly thereafter, um, the, after the trade took place, Marchand, you know, he had to do this, and I'm sure he received a call quickly from management saying, you got to call this guy, but actually called and apologized and made amends. So, I mean... They're buds now. They have to well, be. They have to now. be, and, you know, Brad Marchand's the type of guy you talk to anybody in the Bruins room, and I'm sure they absolutely love him. Sure. Right? I mean, you know, we've talked about this. We talked about this, I feel like it was ages ago when we first started the podcast. I remember asking you about, you know, there's got to be times where certain guys don't get along. Yeah. And, it has and, to be. There's a fucking 20-some guys in the room. And Johansson might still not like him, but he's going to suck it up, right? I mean, you're walking into the Bears den now, so. At least he didn't lick him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess it would have been better if he licked him. They're going to lick <laughs> lick and make up? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Jeez. Okay, what else do we got here? Uh, uh, the one other Boston note I wanted to throw in here was, uh, if anybody was watching the uh, Boston and San Jose Sharks game on Tuesday night, uh, so what happened was... Evander Kane and Chara got into a scrap, which started with uh, Kane taking a good run at Chara. Um, 
Right after that, the puck comes back to Kane in the corner, and Chara he hits him right in the head. Mm-hmm. And what did you think about that? Actually, the hit. So about the hit in particular, yeah. I I don't know if if Chara's given any leeway because of his size. He has to. But be. that, but Kane's a big boy, and that's I don't know why that's not suspendable. You did think it was suspendable? I thought it was suspendable because it was retaliatory. Oh, okay. And because he hit him directly in the head. Like there was he came at him hard. He didn't let up or anything. It was it was I'm going for you. I don't care where I hit you. And okay. Kane Kane jumps him right away. They get in a fight. Kane brings him down and then Chair gets back up and, starts, and then Kane does nothing. <laughs> and yeah, and then Kane loses his punching hand, Hangs right? On. He's tied tied up, he's hanging on. All credit to Kane for for uh for fighting Chara, I mean, not there's very few guys in the league who will do that. Uh, I think I think Kane ended up racking up like 30 minutes and Pim's like instigator and misconducts and yeah. all this shit. Um, I am a little surprised that Chara didn't get suspended. I'm you know I'm not going to whine and cry about it or yeah, anything, yeah. but uh, like it wasn't I don't know what, what was your thought on the hit. I thought it was okay. Um, one, so I like your point about retaliatory though. I hadn't really factored that in. I mean, I saw the play and I understand what went on and I know that it was retaliatory. But as far as like asking myself, okay, is this hit suspendable? Let's remove all the variables. Let's mm-hmm. remove history. Let's remove retaliatory or not. Let's just look at the hit as well. It and the was. reason I mentioned retaliatory is because the NHL cites that they sometimes do, yeah. in their suspension. Videos. You're right, they do. So so you're 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 hitting the nail on the head there. I'm just looking at the actual hit itself. Let's separate all that stuff and ask ourselves if that particular hit is suspendable, meaning no matter who on whom we're going to suspend it. I'm okay with not suspending that hit because Kane is kind of in a lean forward-ish uh, position trying to get Corral the loose He's puck. definitely vulnerable for he sure. He put yeah. himself into a vulnerable position. And you know what? It's not to say, oh, well, now you're putting all the fucking blame on the victim mm-hmm. here. It's not victim shaming. I'm just saying he he you know naturally put himself into a vulnerable position given what he was trying to do, which is corral a loose puck in the offensive zone. And Chera's got seven inches on the guy. So like I heard them talking about it uh, on TV. I think it was just this morning. I don't even remember when it was, but... The guys were saying, like, what are you supposed to do? Like, if, if you're saying that it's suspendable, then you're saying that Chera can't make that hit. And if mm-hmm. Chera can't make that hit, we are now eliminating his ability to play the defensive side of the puck. Yeah. Because you can't force a guy to make a stick check just because your opponent is reaching out. Before you mm-hmm. know it, dude, we're going to have too many players just skating around with their fucking necks out there their heads out. Oh, here's my head, you know, and yeah. then they get bumped by the shoulder. Oh, you know, we're Ken Dryden trying to get rid of all headshots. And I love Ken Dryden, by the way, and I respect his opinion. Yeah. But you know where I'm coming from. He's a yeah. big, he's a big advocate. He wants to fucking get rid of hitting altogether. Yeah. And that's pretty much what you're going to have to do in order to eliminate the inadvertent accidental head contact. Cause I think that's all that was from, from Chara. And yeah. The size mismatch. And there's, there's, you know, I'll play a little devil's advocate on, on this and that's, you know, I, I brought that up earlier where are you looking at Chara in a different light just given his size and given the circumstances uh, and his ability to lay that hit? There was two, but uh, going back to my earlier argument, there was two things and it was the retaliatory nature and it was the, it was the um, you know, he did, like I said, he didn't let up. Um, it was it was predatory in a sense to me. Yeah. He did the game stuff. I don't have a problem with that stuff. You know, I, 
I wouldn't have called it a suspension more in a game, probably. Like, I didn't think it was anything crazy or out of the ordinary. I mean, that shit happens all the time, and sometimes it's not even a penalty. It should be, but yeah. it's not. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll leave it at that. I don't have much more to say, and uh, I think uh, I think it was just a, a cool play overall. It was, a, it was an exciting thing. I, like, once I saw it happen online, I rushed over to, to a computer screen so I could look See it up. It, yeah. yeah. Well, what I, what I disliked the most about it was having to fucking endure Jack Edwards. Oh, throughout. God, yeah. Oh. You'd think... Based on the commentary so, of Jack Edwards, you would think that that Kane got completely obliterated yeah. in that fight or something. That's exactly what I said to my buddies. I was like, I listened to it before I saw it because yeah. they had it on the radio as I was driving to work. Yeah. So I I listened to it and I, as soon as I heard it, I'm like, oh man, I, I, like you, I said, oh, I got to get to a fucking computer and check that out, or I got I can't wait to get where I'm going so I can get on my phone here, quit drive and get on my phone and watch the video. So that's exactly what I did. I was making my morning coffee and I had a look at it. And it was it, like nothing even happened. I don't even think a punch was landed yeah. from either guy. And the fucking Edwards is like, oh, he's twisted his head off like a bottle cap <laughs> or something like that. Like, yeah, it's it just, was so brutal. I know. Jack Edwards funny. Like he, he's a good skilled commentator, but man, he got to be the most annoying fucking guy of all time. Like, don't get me wrong. I know there's Leaf or uh, like other fans out there not of the Leafs uh, that are like, oh, fuck, listen to these two Leaf fans. Joe Bowen. No, listen the to worst. this guy. Just blah, try blah, and listen blah. to him. Bowen is like, okay, he just yeah. wants the Leafs. I'm not to win. talking about homers. Like, I'm talking about like annoying ass. Like, I, it, it, you know, they say the you're top. wearing your your Leafs colored glasses. Like, this guy is like got his head up everyone's ass. Like, I, I, <laughs> I don't know have a good descriptor for this dude. Like, he's there's no, like, there's there's blatant, blatant, blatant bad calls that he makes. Just born out of bias. I, one time, the, the, and this was like maybe four or five years ago. It was the moment where I said to myself, I literally dislike this man. Like, I don't even know him. I don't know him. I don't know his fucking Not just family. as a commentator. I, I dislike this like man. You. I dislike this man. And it was a game. It was the Bruins versus the Avalanche, I believe. And I can't remember who took the hit on the Avalanche, but... There was a, there was a big play, and I wasn't watching the game at the time, but I guess there was a hit earlier in the game, and um, the the player on Colorado who laid the hit got smoked in the corner. Okay, it was a clean hit, but he was injured, like stretchered off. Now, obviously, Jack Edwards is unaware that the guy is going to be stretchered off. So I didn't mind his call on the hit. You know, he explodes through Adam Lesko or whoever the fucking guy's name was, you know, and then the guy was clearly hurt. I was watching the game live. The guy was clearly hurt. He was like writhing around the fucking goalie for the Bruins. It was Rask. He was going like this. Get the fucking trainer out. And, and, and Edwards goes, that's what you get when you mess with the Bruins. And I was just like, you are the biggest asshole like, now's in the not world. The time now's not the time for and that. And I've heard him make numerous like disparaging remarks about players who got hurt. I mean, we saw it in the Leaf Bruins game uh, earlier on. When yeah, I you're think right. Somebody had hunted Riley. He's like, oh, that's a clean hit. That's uh, nothing wrong with that. Like right after throwing an absolute hissy fit on the Hyman hit. But I'm sure we could tell stories about Jack Edwards <laughs> and bitch about him forever. If you're a Boston fan, shoot us a note. Let us know what your thoughts are on Jack Edwards because I wouldn't mind getting your perspective on yeah, it. Actually, 
that's very true because there's obviously going to be a ton of fans out there that uh, either have to listen to the guy like I used to. Uh, I couldn't stand listening to the former Leaf guy. His name escapes me now. <laughs> Romanuk. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> there it is. Paul Romanuk. But anyways, yeah, that's a good call. Vanished. Let us know if uh, if you're a Bruins fan out there and you and you love to hear Edwards. Let us know why. Um, is that it for trades or what? You want to wrap it up? Uh, I quickly, uh, Nashville is the one thing we left out here. So Nashville made, uh, I'd say they're one of the other bigger splashes. Uh, they acquired Wayne Simmons, which was one of the big ticket items. Uh, I think that immediately helps out their power play and just kind of bulks up like a bit of an arms race going on in the West here. With, oh, yeah. With uh, Vegas making the big acquisition, Nashville, Winnipeg. And the other trade I really liked was the Granlin trade. Uh, Granlin for Fiat. So Fiala is somebody who I think has a little untapped potential uh, just for didn't really seem to to get enough ice time over Nashville. Maybe it's a a forward depth situation that had him relegated to the bench most of the time. But in Grandland, they get somebody who's a solid centerman. And uh, I think he really rounds out the position for the Preds. Okay, right on. Um, yeah, I was going to see uh, if we're going to do, uh, you want to do winners, losers and yeah. and see what happens. So um, I, I didn't throw Nashville out on the board because that's where I was going to go with the winner, which was my winner was Nashville. I know you like them too, uh, based on what you just finished up the uh, trade talk with. And that's exactly where I'm going with uh, the reason why I think they're the winner. I think it's almost sneaky. It's not quite sneaky because they, they got... You know Wayne Simmons, who was a a main ticket price. Obviously, it was Mark Stone, and then kind of everyone else, right? right? But uh, I would say Simmons was right around the top of that everyone else. And they category. didn't pay too much at no, all. For no, they him. didn't. That's the they other waited, thing. they waited, they waited. The price probably went down the day of as, as suitors dropped out. It's true. So it was Ryan Hartman they traded and a twenty twenty fourth round conditional. I, I'm just inclined to believe now that any time there's a condition, it's 100% based on if the guy re-signs. At if he's a UFA. Usually it's based on how far they make in the playoffs or, or if that. they sign. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, my winner, uh, Nashville Predators, like I said, I, I think it's almost sneaky what they did, uh, who they acquired. They acquire some grit, a little bit of experience as well. And then the Marcus or uh, the Marcus Granlund uh, or sorry Michael Granlund, I always get those two mixed up. Um, the Michael Granlund acquisition is obviously just like you said, it's going to help uh, both the power play and some five on five play. They had some speed, they had some puck skill uh, as well, and they've already got uh, some bona fide D men back there as well. Plus Pecorino, hey, one of the best in the league, you know. And UC Saros as a backup is not a terrible option either. If no, if Pecorino has an, an issue, it's almost like a Grubauer Holtby kind of thing like when Washington started the playoffs last year and they didn't know who was going to play goalie for them and then they ended up winning winning the cup so yeah. who cares right so Nashville's got it from the uh, from the crease all the way out and I like the moves they did today what about yourself for uh, winner? I'm going to call out on Vegas I mean these guys they were so super active in the offseason and I'm going to say uh, it goes beyond the deadline uh, it might be cheating here but their body of work since they made the cup final last year they went out and got patches this summer and then they go out and get Mark Stone so I mean how often do these you know Mark Stone is a franchise goal scoring winger okay this guy is a guy to build a team around um he, he changes the complexion of that team so much. I mean, they, they went out and got Patch ready last year, and Stone is even a step above him. Oh, So by them sure. pulling the trigger on Stone, not giving up a first-rounder, and hey, if you're, if you're Vegas, 
Don't forget that when Vegas came in the league, their strategy stock up on prospects, stock up on picks. So they have the assets to expend, to get rid of. So not only have they made themselves set up for a good run this year, they've set themselves up to be a contender and a maybe not necessarily a cup contender, but a, a competitive um, upper echelon team for not just this season, but uh, 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 more seasons going forward. The Mark Stone edition uh, specifically for me makes them way more difficult of a team to play against. And I know that seems like a super cliche and I don't like using too many cliches in sports, but sometimes you just can't avoid them. I think this is one of those cases, like not that they were an easy team to play against, but for some reason, when I think of inserting Mark Stone into the Vegas Golden lineups or the Vegas Golden lineups, the Vegas Golden Knights lineup right now, it just screams to me that, you know, opposition goalies are going to have a tough time here because, you know, like you said with Pacioretty, I understand Pacioretty's not burying the goals like he was at his rate when he was in Montreal, but he's still a shooter. Yeah. He takes so many shots and he's got a great shot. Yeah. So the goalies are now going to be facing rips from the likes of Pacioretty and now Mark Stone and Mark Stone is not afraid to back down. Oh, like he will not back down. From he's you. one of the he's one of the best shooters in the NHL. Like, and, and you look at the numbers he's put up over the last several years. I mean, he's he's earned every little bit of that deal uh, that I also didn't mention. So Vegas not only acquires him, but managed to sign him to an eight year extension, nine point five million dollars. I mean, you got to be feeling pretty good right now if you're McPhee out there, and if if you're Vegas too if you're a Vegas fan like yeah you, you got a superstar now i mean you had Marc Andre Fleury was probably their only superstar you got stars like Marsha so you got patches but he Mark Stone is a bona fide NHL superstar and the best might still be yet to come for a guy like him so that was where i was going to head lastly i don't want to stay uh, stick around too too much on Vegas cuz we're we're still just uh, you know wrapping up our trade talk but are you concerned at all about the flurry factor in the sense that where do they go after flurry? And I mean, you can, you can throw out, I could ask you that question for, you know, 16 to 24 NHL teams. And you, you'd have a, a difficult time saying the answer because they all have bona fide starters. There's only a few teams that have, you know, a one, a one B, but with flurry, it's like, you know, he's getting up there in age. Mm-hmm. He's obviously playing great, mm-hmm. but where do we go after that? I, I, that's hard to say. And without looking at the data, I'm not sure how reliant they are on him or how much he's masking poor defensive play. I see. Um, but but well, they based play him on, a lot. <laughs> yeah, but based on Fleury's play, I don't think they have it. They're not uh, overly concerned about it. I mean, they just resigned him what uh, last year. They extended him to a three year, I believe it was. He's showing no signs of slowing down. I mean, he's carrying the load. He's stopping pucks. He's putting up shutouts. Um, he's been one of the best goaltenders in the NHL this year when, you know, Pittsburgh, I think, when he was uh, all but gone to the expansion draft, it was making it sound like he was past his prime yeah, type thing. Yeah. And, you know, he might be past his prime, you know, in quotation marks, but he's shown no sign of it. So that was my next question to you then. Do you think Pittsburgh made the uh, made the wrong call? Yeah. You do, eh? I do. Even I, with and that age difference between Murray even though and- they st- they still managed to get the cup and everything like that, I just the, Pittsburgh's window is now, right? And I understand the the planning for the future, but it's almost oh, like I they see what they, you mean. they made that move too early. Like they could have been winning another I, one with Flurry. I know they had to, and it was Murray or Flurry. It was was the consensus that either one was going to be gone. But if you're Pittsburgh and you're in win now mode, why not go with the guy you could win now? Yeah, that's right. Is Murray still a rookie? 
he's still a rookie for two more years. And, and I understand from Pittsburgh's perspective. I mean, Murray had basically outplayed and, and earned the job. That's true. Flurry, but at now, that time. But now you looked at what has transpired since, and you might, you know, hindsight's fifty or twenty twenty or fifty fifty or whatever that expression is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally right mangled that. All right. So, um, all right. So we got our winners. Uh, any losers? I know you. I know it's kind of difficult to pick a loser. Um, do you have anything off the top of your head? Just the. It's hard to pick out because a lot of them is, is is to be determined. We don't know what's what's gonna come of say Columbus and right. you know they might end up being big losers on July one. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ottawa for example, um, how these things all pan out, the picks, the whatnot. Um, that's gonna take probably a couple of years. My biggest losers on the deadline day though were the teams that should have done something but did nothing. Two in particular I'm gonna look at. It's Anaheim and it's Vancouver. Okay, so you're talking about teams then that maybe should have. Cleaned they should a little have house a little house. more. Yeah. They should have. Okay. They should have been going to bottom out. And <clears throat> when I when I look at those teams, though, I kind of understand why this happened. You've got a bunch of big contracts that no one wants. You don't if want to eat salary, right? If you're Anaheim, nobody's going to take Perry at that money. No one's taking Ryan Kessler off the books for you. Ugh. You're you're kind of screwed with that. And if you're Vancouver. You've got lots of young, promising players, but then you got a bunch of plugs you signed at bad contracts that no one's going to take off your hands. Yeah. So I see why their hands were tied. I just would have expected more for the future for those guys. Okay. Um, for me, I'm kind of hovering a little closer to the teams that are either in the playoffs or close to the playoffs or maybe leading their respective divisions. Two in particular for me, Calgary, New York Islanders. Why are there zero moves for the Calgary Flames and the New York, well, I guess sorry, Calgary Flames made a, a Oscar Fantenberg they acquired from L.A. for a fourth round pick. Yeah, relatively quiet, very quiet. And I mean, Calgary, I thought we might see some sort of goaltending. Uh, you know, maybe I don't know Jimmy Howard, but realistically, is that any better than having your one-two punch that you have now? Right, right. So I can kind of cross that off the list. Um, but. They're they've been really cold lately offensively. Your your Sean Monahan's, your Johnny Goudreau's, um, and your Lindholm's uh, of the world, Elias Lindholm. Those guys they were world beaters like just uh, less than a month ago, and now they're they're not doing a whole lot of anything. And I right. know this firsthand because I have two fantasy teams, and on on both of those teams I have all those guys. On one team I have two, on the other one I have one. So I'm I was killing it a while ago and now I'm looking and I'm like come on boys you guys have got to do something minus 1 minus 2 so they're getting it done as far as depth scoring is concerned which is always a good thing but you know what else is always a good thing adding some fucking scoring depth at the at the trade deadline that's what that's what the cup winners do and we talked about this before there's a dozen or so teams that all make moves with the idea that we're going to win the cup but there's only one cup so if 14 teams all make moves, 13 of them were, were losers as far as the moves are concerned. Yeah. It's interesting that Calgary didn't make any moves, and I know that they were in pursuit of Stone and then uh, seemed to be out of the running, I think, the morning of the deadline day. They're another team that I, I compare, and un, maybe unfairly, to Colorado in the sense that they, they come off as a one-line team. I know they're much deeper than Colorado, but the way that they've produced and the way that the years played out for them, uh, if they're not getting it from that first line, they're not getting a whole lot from anywhere else. And Geo, right? So they're the first line and Geo. Yeah. Geo is having Norris you know, candidate uh, trophy season. But again, even he has cooled off too. So that's why I threw the uh, loser tag on Calgary. We'll see how it turns out. 
Um, the other one that I thought too was the Islanders, man. And for the same reason as the Flames. There they are, tops in the division. There they are, ready to go on a deep playoff run. There they are, not making any moves to shore up anything. You, you know, adding some depth, adding some size, adding some grit, adding a fucking seventh defenseman that you can scratch, you know, for the playoffs just in case. It's weird. I find it weird that these teams wouldn't be doing something. You know, Lou is a, normally a pretty active guy. He is, but he's also well known for, and I think this quote came up during his tenure with the Leafs, it's that Lou won't do anything if he doesn't think they can win. He's not into spending assets in a situ unless he's addressing a long-term need for the team. He's not interested in, in rentals, which is the majority of the deadline market, right. and making those kinds of moves that are that are conducive to making a run. So I think Lou's a little smarter than than maybe some people give him credit for because I think the best way to or best descriptor I've seen of the Islanders so far is their uh, paper crane. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. I mean, uh, like I say, it's it's difficult to uh, to come up with uh, losers on deadline day. I find often you're thinking your team is a loser at deadline day if you were hoping for a move and didn't see it. Mm. That's different. That's you being excited as a fan. You know, like for me, I was not excited as a fan to get Adam McQuaid. There were others that were like, oh, I hope the Leafs get him. And I'm like, no. I'm good. No, no. I'm good on that. I hope you don't know Kyle Dubas or, you know, friends with his family. And just don't say that around anyone. We don't want Adam McQuaid. That's just a delusional expectation. If you've been paying attention to the way that Kyle Dubas builds his hockey clubs at all, you knew that wasn't someone It wasn't coming, yeah. And I don't think the Wayne Simmons was coming either. I didn't think so And that was fine for me too. Now, if we didn't get Muzzin, if we didn't do fucking anything and it was the same team the whole time up until trade deadline well now i'm like okay let's get someone yeah you might you know be, you might be a little more bitter but obviously i think the leafs moves and and do is reiterated this in his presser was you know we made the muzzin move that was our big move, hockey move too we have him for another year that's right so fine you know we got to find some guys out there with some term that's why i'm okay with being a little quiet at the deadline yeah. you can see some impatient fans but you know, those are the ones that are quick to say uh, a guy like Jake Gardner's garbage. You know, like mm. I, I've never said it. Well, I've probably said it to the fucking TV. <laughs> but like when I'm actually discussing hockey with someone, I'm not going to say he's terrible because all yeah. NHL players are good. All 730 some of them are fucking phenomenal players. Even, you know, a, a guy like Chris Neal would absolutely dangle the shit out of me on the ODR, <laughs> you know, and then beat me up in the fucking parking lot after too. So Jesus, you wouldn't want to say too much to him, would you? Yeah. All right, my man. So what is that it for? Uh, we're wrapping up on the deadline. That was a fun. That was our first, uh, our first, obviously our first deadline uh, day for the pod. It was, you know, really no, no more or less interesting. But I had to be a little bit more uh, aware of some of the minor moves that were made. Yeah, and uh, we did pretty good, I think, of getting uh, getting all the topics covered that we wanted, considering we're a little pressed for time today and uh there's a lot of content to go over yeah that's right we are pressed for time so we'll move right along the reason why we're pressed for time is because uh fucking coley's got to go do the public announcing at the lumber kings game tonight so i might be doing the intros in goal wearing sweater number one (laughs) seth carter (laughs) man speaking of which uh two sundays ago the the tendy for the kings he's a 20 year old so he's he's done yeah this is last year he was part of a trade for another 20-year-old who's also obviously done at the end of the season. Um, the Lumber Kings were having a shit year, so they traded their starting goalie, who's pretty good, to Smith Falls yeah. for their playoff run. And we got their guy, who's also pretty good. Right. He's unreal. Yeah. Like, the team is garbage. Um, but he's really good. Like, just holding the minute. 
Well, yeah, sometimes, but sometimes there's just nothing you can do. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's five nothing, and there's nothing you can do. But um, two Sundays ago, they won in a shootout, and he had sixty shots. And he made fifty eight saves, and they won three two in a shootout. And he made all three saves in the shootout, which was really cool because the Kings elected to shoot first, which I hate, by the way. When you're the home team, shoot last. Mm. Like when you win the fucking coin flip at a baseball game or whatever, you don't choose to be the visitors. Right. You choose to be home. So, anyways, that always grinds my gears. But um, Kings didn't score on their first two opportunities. Neither did uh, I. Don't even remember who the fuck they were playing. Brockville. I think I might be wrong on that. But anyway, they uh, they went two for two on the saves, and then it, it all came down to Seth Carter one more save to win the game. And man, it was military appreciation night. So there was a ton of fucking fans. And afterwards, when uh, Patterson was announcing him as the first star, fucking standing O. Oh, nice. Like an actual standing O. Oh, that's a nice And moment. I mean, the season's a write-off. Yeah. They have seven games left. They're out by like eight points or something. It's just not happening. But Tandy put on a show. Oh, it was so fun to be a part of, man. I was calling the game. I was, I was like, what did I say at one point? I was like, hashtag can't beat carter is trending in pembroke ontario tonight like it was just unreal like he was making a fucking save then he made a rebound two rebound saves and then in the overtime three on three holy fuck man they had like six chances to end it where i thought oh now i'm gonna have to call the fucking the you loss know, the yeah. loss yeah darn well, it's after. nice to hear a good story coming it was out it was I good know, i know this year's been pretty bleak for them so yeah well we'll see there's some news on that front i don't want to break anything here on the podcast but uh there might be some news on the old lumber kings front so when that comes down the pipe we might have to get some uh plk shit going on here might on the have podcast to do yeah. a little uh, analysis and breakdown. yeah yeah exactly all right um, so where are we headed to we're not gonna do break this week no break no break right into the leaf Fucking stuff right but on. before we get to the leaf stuff speaking of the lumber kings former pembroke lumber king sean allard was featured in a very interesting article in the athletic today okay. uh, by uh, ryan s clark who is the colorado correspondent uh, so for those of you who might not know, Sean Allard, uh, good guy, local guy, one of the 13 Allard siblings. Yeah, the people are like, hmm, I know that name. Of yeah, course you do. If you're between the ages of 17 and 45 in, in Pembroke or Petawawa, you've either played hockey or went to school with one of the Allards. Yeah. Um, phenomenal family, very talented uh, athletes and wonderful people. But uh, yeah, so the article is about Allard and kind of his uh, his role with the Colorado Avalanche. He is the was recently hired as their skating coach this year. I did not and know that. And it was that. talking about how the uh, the what. How he how his path um, went to getting there, and how much the players really like him, and he actually worked with the Predators for a few years before that, and he's the one who started the uh, Perfect Skating uh, program that he runs, and I know a number of the uh, brothers are involved with as well. That's based out of Ottawa and has been franchised. Actually, oh, okay, I did hear uh, about throughout that throughout North yeah. America. Okay. So he. Right if you have a chance, if you're an athletic scriber, check out this article. It's it's very interesting, especially if you're a local guy like me. You'd uh, probably be interested in reading this as well. And uh, uh, Sean Allard, like many of the Lards, played a lot of hockey in a lot of different places around the world. Uh, so yeah, I know he brings a lot of uh, a lot of experience and seems to be uh, carving out quite a nice career for himself uh, down with NHL players. Geez, that's cool, man. I know, I didn't realize that. Like I. When you were talking about his skating program, the perfect skating, uh, yeah. that that definitely rang a bell for me. But I didn't know that he was actually uh, involved at the NHL level. I mean, you know what? He was a fucking good king, too. He was a good king back in the day. I don't think when the team was that great. Oh, though. yeah. He would have played a long time. Well, I think he's 43, I believe the article oh, said. Wow. Like okay. It was funny because I knew 
Um, I wasn't even sure which Allard started perfect skating because I, I remember talking to Kyle about it at one time or another. But, uh, uh, yeah, he's, he's covered on quite the career. But it kind of traces it through uh, how he first got started with the NHL and how he developed the program when he was over playing professionally in France. Uh, he's, he's got a quite an interesting life story. So if you get a chance, please check out the article. Cool. Okay, listen, one more thing before we quickly jump into Leafs. We'll have about 15, maybe 20 minutes on Leafs if we hurry. I wanted to just bring the listeners up to date on what went down today uh, as far as the uh, Ottawa Senators Arena uh, development uh, procedure or process, I guess I should say. So tomorrow was the deadline that the NCC set for the three parties to come to some sort of fucking agreement, some settlement to figure this out, and they were unable to do so. So um, as a result, the final decision on how... The LeBreton Flats uh, development area will be. Uh, what am I trying to say here? Will be developed. Yeah, like for them <laughs> for the NCC to essentially what they're gonna choose do with what they're going to do yeah. and, and and the builders and whatever. Yeah. So that's March seventh. So March seventh. Mark your calendars. It's just over a week away. Um, I hope that we're going to have a little bit more concrete details because I know this one kind of you know has just been going on for a while. Let's go, but. Really, at the end of the day, it's interesting to me because I think it like it really affects the future of the franchise. I mean, the franchise has been right up the road for for the mo- most of our lives, all yeah. of your life, you know, yeah. like oh, most of our lives. The fucking team has been right there. Uh, we've been able to see some of their games back when they were playing at Old Lansdowne. Oh man, tickets are going to get cheap you know? too now. <laughs> tickets are going to be super cheap. You're right. So anyway, really interesting. There's a teleconference on March seventh. Uh, the Crown owns the land and they will finalize the process of the future development uh, following that teleconference. So basically we're going to find out whether the rink is going to LeBreton Flats or not. And, and let's it sounds go, like the deal's dead. If it's that's not, what I, that's where, what are they, I, where are they going? Well, that's the thing is uh, it sounds like the deal, like the whole thing is dead based on, if you read Melnick's statement and he's basically put, now, of course he is. I like how he slipped in there that he's blaming the other two parties uh, <laughs> on on this. But it sounds like it's dead, like it's going nowhere. Now, does that mean, I, and I can see this from a political perspective, the NCC opening up an opportunity because I think they want this development and they want the arena to be part of it. But they might eventually just have to give them a finger and say, you know what, no rank down there. We got plenty of plans, plenty of options because that really at the end of the day, the NCC doesn't need uh, uh, Eugene and the senators to be a part of this at all. No, it's true. I mean, they're fortunate to have this huge piece of vacant land, this opportunity to be a part of it. So if they can't come up with a deal, I can see the politicians walk and the bureaucrats walking away. But they should want the team down they there. They should, absolutely. They but should. It's, it's like, you know, yeah, you want to do a lot of things, but if you can't work with somebody... Yeah, that's a really good point. And, and it just right. seems like it's dead in the water based on the statement, but... I mean, check it out. Stay tuned. There will hopefully be more news, and I'm sure we're not done talking about it. He's a terrible owner. <laughs> terrible owner. I mean, like, on a macro level, I don't have any fucking knowledge on that stuff, but, like, I feel like even the dumbest of casual fans can be like, yeah, that guy's a fucking shitty owner. Yeah. I, just, I think it has a lot more to do with the people he employs and the fact that he doesn't employ people that he trusts to get the job done. So he just As, does it all himself. Well, he's always he's always meddling in things. He's always <laughs> involved with different things and putting himself at the forefront of it all. Eugene Metalnik? 
Sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, between that and just being terrible at PR. <laughs> yeah. And and between him and Dorian having to be the faces. Oh, God. And you're right. I think it I think it might just be a little bit of a language barrier for Pierre Dorian. I actually Maybe. tried to look into where he's from. Um, where is he from? I don't know. It didn't say it on Wikipedia, which I thought was strange. Well, now, American. I know Wikipedia is not super awesome, but it usually says, you know, he was born in yeah. such and such and raised by... Nobody uh, knows where he came from. Nobody knows what's up. Like, I think he might just be a robot that Eugene paid uh, $100 million to, to, to be built. He and he be. can just... Because like, his eyes are just he like would, blank. Eugene wouldn't pay that much. Yeah, good point. He always looks like a deer in the headlights yeah, at the I know. podium, right? And then uh, there was a couple times during his press conference where he was almost like laughing. And he was looking down. He's looking too, down the whole at his time. paper. He wasn't looking at like when he was being talked to. He yeah. was looking down. He's right? looking down at his paper while he's reading his statement, and it's almost as if someone slipped a funny joke on his paper <laughs> as he's announcing it. He's like, "We're going to look forward to the veterans. We're going to <laughs> lean on the Tierneys, the Demellos." He's trying to remember who's on the team. Yeah, he didn't and then know he's la- on the team and anymore. And he's laughing almost. Like I'm like, what is this guy on? Uh, this is not a good day. Like I said, did not inspire confidence, especially if you're a fan. All right. Anyway, let's go down the 401 and get down to the team that really matters. The team that matters. The team that matters. The Toronto Maple Leafs. What did you think about that late day acquisition for Nick Patan? I actually like it a lot. I liked it more than I thought for a fourth line scratch swap. I like it a lot. And I think he's going to see time. I think he's going to see time for the rest of the year. Um, well, I think he'll get a chance. Let's let me put it that way. I think he'll get a chance. Yeah. I guess it's all determined on how Babcock will will utilize it. Yeah. But I mean, it allows for Trevor Moore to be called up, and I think maybe it may have put a little bit of scare into uh, Frederick Goche. Hey, the goat responded. So that night, he goes out, gets a goal and assist, and has a phenomenal game beauty pass it was actually one of the best uh possession games the fourth lines had all season i think they were they led the team there was 60 in the high 60s percentage wise of possession uh they look really good so message received if you're the goat but i figured as soon as patan was acquired that meant goat was on thin ice yeah because patan can play wing and center and if you look at trevor moore they didn't call up trevor moore to sit in the press box they brought him up because they believe he can play and he's proven that he can but uh, sidebar note on that uh all three goat goals this year have been assisted by trevor moore really yeah so every time oh i seen you retweet that one was it the hulk it was yeah, like yeah. a picture of the Hulk, but he was blue. Yeah, with a Leaf jersey on. Yeah, it was, it was uh, what the goat looks like when Moore's in the lineup. Yeah. And the other one that I don't know if I did retweet was, uh, it was Trevor Moore playing with Freddie the Goat, and it was it was some kid riding a bike with a goat on the back. Oh. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> it was really good. Okay, so let me give you the lowdown here on Nick Patan. Let's go, Nick Patan, born March 22, 1995. So he's going to be 24 in a month from BC. 179, weighs 179, and he's just, uh, what is he, just under 5'10". Yeah, just under 5'10", so he's a little bit of a smaller dude. Um, Back when he was in junior, 120-point season with the Portland Winterhawks, 12-13. 113-point season with the Portland Winterhawks in fewer games played, actually, in lots. Yeah, he lit it up in junior. He lit it up, okay. Now, uh, 27-2018, Manitoba Moose. 52 points in 52 games at the AHL level. This is not this is not a a player that hasn't been able to prove his offensive ability. Okay, if we're if we want if we want to talk about Lindholm, 
on the other side, I mean, do we even know anything about Lindholm? I don't know what he looks like, I realize. He kind of looks day. like Justin Thomas. I don't really. Who's that? <laughs> oh, you don't know Justin Thomas? Justin Thomas is a golfer on the PGA Tour. He's he, pretty handsome looking dude. He, yeah, he's handsome looking <laughs> He, he kind of looks like J- JT. Yeah, I, I thought I thought about it the other day. I was like, I don't even Swedish know what Elite he looks league like. is Swedish Elite League his whole life. Okay, yeah. Par Lindholm. Born ninety one, so he's twenty seven. He's and, turning twenty eight. We yeah. bought, we just bought four years of experience. And Nick Batan was a guy that scored hundreds of points during his yeah. time spent. Um, Par Lindholm. Now they play just over fifty games in this yeah. in the uh, Swedish Elite League. He was never a point per game player. Uh, excuse me, one year he was a point per game player. Yeah, fifty five points in fifty four games. So I really like the trade, and I think I'm a little biased as as a bunch of Canadians are going to be because of uh, his hat trick at the World Junior Championships. Two gold medals. Yeah. If you look at it, we basically traded a plug that we had no interest in re-signing clearly and brought in a guy with potential. That's why I like the deal the most is that we have this younger player who who obviously Dubas sees something in. Uh, he talked a lot about it in his presser. He's like, we want him to work with our development team. And this trade's not for this year. This isn't a, a typical deadline acquisition. Oh, yeah, we need him to play 4C right now. This is a, okay, he, he might get some action this year. If it doesn't work out, we're looking to the next year. We're looking to the year after. Clearly, they look at his skill set and what he can bring to the table and feel he can be very complimentary. Because uh, you picture him right now, say the GOAT does come out of the lineup, you put him on a third line with Moore and Ennis, and that's a small line, but that is a fast, a scoring line skilled now. line Now right it there. can score. It's that's not just right. shutting the other team down. That's right. I mean, you look at his cap hit. Is eight hundred and seventy four thousand dollars? Yeah, because they even saved a few bucks, I think, off that trade. It's, so it's over this year, mind you. So yeah. he is going to be a UFA. He's or no, I guess it'll be sorry, it'll be RFA. So that's the other thing is we we acquired the restricted free agent. Now he belongs to us, anyways, and we might be able to get him on a two way deal. It's just going to be a steal. I think it's going to be awesome. I think this this trade. While most people were stepping over it, I'm bending over to pick it up. Yeah, because I think think there's more to it. I think there's more to it, and it's going to be seen maybe if they do. um, I expect them to to sign him to a contract, and I think we're going to see the payoff maybe not necessarily this season, but more so in the next season. Uh, when he gets more of an opportunity because the interesting quote uh, and and why I'm led to believe he might not play as much as some would like is was Bab's quote. Not sure when he'll play is all oh, he said. I see, yeah. And I was just thinking, is, it, is that Levo? Are we in Corrado territory here? Oh, I like, see. Like, is yeah. he going to be, it, it, you know, and you look at Justin Holes only played two games this year. Like, these guys are going to have to work their ass off and buy into the process if they're going to want to get an opportunity. But I am inclined to believe that Goat's on a bit of thin ice here. I know he's, he's as Babs would say, he's 6'4 every day of the week. <sighs> but we know Babs. There's a reason why Dubas <laughs> brought this guy in, and it's because he believes that he complements the Leafs' style and structure. And I, I actually read a quick article on him uh, yesterday, and it talked about how he kind of missed the boat in Winnipeg, whereas he wasn't given much of an opportunity. And I don't, I, I don't want to put a timeline on this because I don't remember when it happened, but I think it was when he first made the team, his father actually passed away. Okay. So he was dealing with some personal shit there too and hadn't managed to get back really into the lineup consistently since. So it seems that he might have fallen victim to the depth situation a little bit in Winnipeg there too. But Winnipeg and 
Paul Maurice, funny to call him, but a bit of an old school coach these days in that he likes he likes that Winnipeg's a big team. He likes that Atava bruising fourth line and guys that can hit and check and play, you know, a well-rounded two-way game. And he might not have saw Patan in that role being a smaller skilled player. Here's my thing at the end of the day. And I've said this since Dubas was handed the reins. The guy's a genius. And I don't think he is going to make a poor move, at least for the foreseeable future. Now, if you want to label a deal like a contract with Nylander, specifically speaking, because really what else would we talk about? If you want to talk about a contract for William Nylander as being a bad move, quote unquote, then fine. I'll give that to you, but we still, that that remains to be seen. We can't answer that, that but we can't answer that question yet. You're saying it's not a bad deal. Oh yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I don't think it's a bad far. deal. No, no. I'm just saying if if anyone out there wants to yeah. be like, well, Dubas fucked up. And the I've, heard, I've heard that take too. And, no, and he just, didn't. It's such a it's such a reactionary thing because he what because he hasn't played that good thus far, and that's really changed in the last couple of weeks as well. Yeah, of course it has. It's going to be fine. I'm not worried about that at all. But getting back to the genius thing, what I'm saying is, as a fan, do you remember, dude, when Brian Burke said, "I want five years." Remember when Brian Burke asked for five years yeah. to rebuild and then they fired him after four? Yeah. I was actually upset because when he asked me specifically through my television, Josh Coleman, as a Leaf fan, will you give me five years? I said, yes, I will. And then they fired him after four and I was upset with it because he never got a chance to see it through. Now I'm laughing internally here about defending Brian Burke because in hindsight, we didn't need Burke and what he was yeah. doing. But he uh, didn't rebuild the team. No, no, though. but That's you see, he no, never but, did any rebuilding, right? No, but my point is less about Burke and more about the timeline that we wanted. Right. Okay, he wanted five years for rebuild. I was willing to give it to him. We didn't give it to him, which I think was unfair. Now, were we going to make the playoffs and win the cup in the fifth year? No. Yeah. But I still wanted to give the, him the time that he requested. Maybe Everything. it was too long. But with Dubas, what I'm saying now is Dubas hasn't asked me for any time. Babcock kind of asked me to be patient because there was pain coming. Get the Band-Aids out. Get the cream out. But Dubas hasn't asked me for anything. Dubas has just said, this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to do it. And he's been doing it. And I have said through the television, I'm on board with you, Kyle. I will put my all of my fucking eggs directly into your basket because I have full faith that this young man is going to bring us a championship. And I think this Patan deal, although, you know, it's like I said, it's it's easy to write off as a, a depth move, uh, you know, a, a couple fourth liners, scratch guys for, for nothing, but it really fits into to what we have seen from Dubas so far and what we've come to expect from Dubas. And it's a it's a move with a longer-term vision in mind. And he said it before the deadline, we're not interested in rentals. And Patan, while on an expiring deal, is an RFA, so he's not a rental. And like I said, we're going to see... We're going to see this deal pay off, maybe not necessarily this season. It'd be great if it did, but more likely we're going to see uh, the benefit next season. Nick Patan is going to be the new and improved Connor Brown. He will be slotted in the lineup. I, I, I'll I go on a limb right now. Day one, opening day next season. Now, okay, playing. I'll give you next season. But I, I believe what it. I, what I, where I was going when I said the Connor Brown $2.1 million salary or whatever Brown's making, $2 million, that's going to be Nick Patan. Because if he can reinsert himself into an NHL lineup as a regular, he's going to insert himself into a line three role, okay, 
with a great team like the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. He's not going to be going to a team that is desperate for top six guys and maybe he can... And get miscast. Yeah, g- yeah. E- either get miscast or get overpaid. He's going to have a... I'm hoping that they give him an opportunity and I believe that he was picked up to... Have because that. they... Yeah. yeah, to have that opportunity. So All right, listen. So we only got a couple minutes left. I want to throw this at you because I'm really pissed off about it today. So we can rant. Oh it. yeah, we can rant about it for the or no, actually, I forgot about that too. Fuck. Okay, let me give you the the leaf thing first, and then we'll talk about cat shit guy. <laughs> I'm pissed off that Freddie Anderson starts tonight. Why? Why are you putting in Garrett Sparks against the New York Islanders, who lead the Metro Division, and don't score? Why are you giving the New York Islanders two or three? free goals on a night when we need to fucking win for John Tavares. And that's why I did that big long ass intro. Cause tomorrow is the day tomorrow is one of the most important days of the season. And I'm not a big proponent of like revenge games and shit like that, right. but tomorrow is big, man. It's a big game. Tomorrow is big. And Edmonton sucks ass. Yeah. And you want to play our starter against a Western conference team who we don't care about at mm-hmm. all. Instead of giving it to Garrett Sparks and then giving Freddie the start on the game that we fucking need. Yeah, and and coming into into this back-to-backs, I was expecting it to be reversed exactly like you said. And then I thought about it again, and after I listened to some commentary on it, I'm going to play devil's advocate here because I don't necessarily agree with it, but you're playing against McDavid in Toronto. He's going to show up. You want to get that win at home. Yeah, I mean, you always want to get your your home wins, right? Because um, you're expecting for your team to be at their best. Now, that necessarily hasn't been always the case with the Leafs this year, and I think their road record is actually better than their home record right yeah, now. Yeah, it is, yeah. But I think that's that's part of the rationale, and I think the plan has always been like, Freddie starts, the second half of the back-to-back is Sparks is getting it. And that now, he is like that religious. It's always been that so way. That's so fine. It, it was predictable, but yeah, I, I see your point and I, and I don't necessarily agree with it because when I look at those two teams, like if you're looking at the opponents and just at the opponents, I would obviously be inclined to think that they would have flipped the goalies around. Yeah. You know what? Like, okay, the Islanders don't score a whole lot. So maybe that's why we do go to Sparks instead because they don't, they, they tend to not score a whole lot. They also tend to not give up a lot. So we're, we're, we should be anticipating a relatively mm-hmm. low-scoring game. But then my fan side of me jumps in and says, yeah, but that's why we need Freddie, right. because they don't give up a lot of goals either. So what if we only get three? Well, you, fuck, you know Sparks is going to give them two or three, man. <laughs> he does it every night. Yeah, well, it's, it's up to the boys to be better in front of him, right? All right, 60 seconds, cat shit guy, go. Catch it, guys. So for those of you who might not have seen it, um, I flipped on Twitter the other day when the Leafs made that awesome comeback against the Habs that we don't have time to talk about, but fuck, that was fun. That was fun. Uh, so I guess when the Leafs were down 3 nothing, this guy online tweets that he's going to eat cat shit if the Leafs come back and win the game. Leafs come back to win the game. Subsequently, man eats cat shit. Okay, so, all right, stupid. This is the internet. People do dumb shit on the internet all the time. Well... People immediately start making the comparisons to Dart Guy. This guy's going viral. Here we go. Next thing you know, I bet you this guy's going to get his own fucking radio show. Well, lo and behold, we find out today. What happens, Josh? Dean Blundell hires Cat Shit Guy. Not exactly the the like the upper echelon of radio shows or He's anything. He's got a blue check mark. <laughs> that guy's a fuck goof. I agree with you, but he has a blue check mark. <laughs> yeah, which absolutely. Which kind of is all you need in so, this sense. So somehow this guy ends up 
fucking with a radio show. Well, guys like me and you are grinding it out in the miners, trying to make our way into media. Dude, and I... And there's actually legitimate people out there who probably deserve, you know, these kinds of opportunities. But me. aren't willing to eat feces on the fucking, fucking me, internet. man. I lived in a fucking closet for like two years <laughs> in Toronto just trying to make it happen. Oh, and dude. all I had to do was eat cat shit. Apparently. I mean, it didn't even... Well, I guess it went I viral in the Leafs community, but like it wasn't... It wasn't like as big as some other viral sensations I've seen, but, and uh, one of the other interesting tidbits about this was people went back into this guy's timeline, obviously on Twitter. He's been on Twitter forever and he's made these same kind of tweets often about the Jays. I'm going to eat catch it. If the Jays come back in dog shit, if the Jays win, like he has numerous tweets, but none of them ever gave him traction or maybe none of them ever uh, came in amongst uh, a comeback. So listen, okay. If you haven't seen fucking catch shit guy, his name is Chris Rochford. I don't feel bad saying his name because he's out there. Um, he's getting fucking hired. He's posting all over the place. I'm in a couple leaf groups where this guy's in. I, oh, he's I, in there. I don't know the guy. Now you can't get away from him. Well, I, I don't know him, know him, but like, you know, I know his name because right, I'm right. in the groups with him. Anyways, yeah, sure, I'm jealous. Whatever the fuck you want to call it, but it's not a good kind of jealous. The way I would be jealous of you if you won the lottery. Right. That's a good jealous. I'd be like, man fucking wicked for Lesko, eh? Like, maybe he'll give me 500 bucks <laughs> or buy us new equipment. I'll take but, you out to the but, rappers. But I'd be I'd be happy jealous for you. I am, like, bitter, angry, fucking yeah. salty jealous over this because of people like myself is a great example of someone who actually attempted to insert himself or herself into the industry mm-hmm. when with hard work and dedication got nowhere. Yeah. This guy eats something that could kill him and he's fucking on board with it. Like, the Tide yeah. Pod thing and the fucking eating shit now. Like, what? I don't know, man. It's such it a... really pissed me off. It's such a reflection of, like, modern meme economy and things going viral. And leave it to, it's like, true. a guy like... A uh, character like Dean Blundell to bring bring a catch it guy into his fold. But I, there was a lot of salty tweets out there from, like, longtime bloggers and, like, people in the Leafs community who've been, you know, like I said, slugging out in the minors for years, you know, trying to make a living for themselves in this. And then it's, somebody's handed a fucking radio show because he ate shit. It's a slap in the face. Like Honestly, it is. It like, really is. You know, I don't know. We can't get mad so much at Catch It Guy, but get mad at the people like Dean Blundell who that, call this guy. Yes. Like, oh, I'm going to bring him. I'm going to no. not just bring him on as a guest, but like, I'm going to bring employ this guy him. and employ him on yeah. my show. No, which... I totally agree with you. And I'm not like upset with Chris Rochford, the cat, <laughs> the, 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 the shit eating guy, the cat shit eating guy. I'm not <laughs> mad at him. I'm mad at, you know, everyone i'm mad at dean blundell mostly <laughs> yeah because what kind of fucking message is he sending oh i don't know like and it's it's only a matter of time before you get more imitators and crazy attempts at like i said memeing essentially yeah. memeing your way into employment so and it's different than shooting your shot like that guy that shot his shot uh at genie bouchard Hey, oh yeah, yeah. Hey, if uh, fucking that guy, if that guy's the Patri- a legend. If the Patriots come back and win the game, will you go on a date? With he all went on a second date. With I know, her. I know. He's, He's that. Legend. Yeah. All right, listen, let's wrap it up. Leafs are on the uh, podcast ice. is canceled. We're going to eat shit. Yeah. Le- <laughs> <laughs> nice. Leafs are on the ice tonight. Uh, Edmonton Oilers at the ACC, formerly known as the ACC Scotiabank Arena. Of course, tomorrow the game of the week, the game of the year, February twenty eighth in Long Island. Don't miss it. The return of JT. We'll see. How the fans receive him. For Adam Lesko, you can find him on Twitter at Lesko Adam. Find myself at Coleman42, at PuckPod for the channel. We'll see you next week, folks. Buds all day. <laughs> <laughs>